It's Off Exit 10, presented by Capital District Sport and Fitness. part about this i was just telling you off off air is that we meet so many cool people through the gym and then we're all just so busy in life so when you're you know talking with people and checking in it's you and i and like a quick text message or a phone call and an email and then it's like on to the next thing so i'm excited to sit down and talk for a little bit longer and learn some more about all the cool stuff that you're doing i'm excited so, to be here so we have a uh, cindy schmale on tonight and she's the executive director of to love a child so they're a nonprofit and step in whenever you want, but they provide humanitarian assistance all over the world. And most of your work is in Africa and work in Haiti and you've done stuff here in the US. Yeah. Um, they've provided medical care and education and schools, uh, solar power, created programs for people to, to have an income and support their family, uh, gardens and other things for sustainable living. Uh, and then you were also uh, awarded the 2022 Saratoga County Chamber of Combat, uh, Commerce uh, Volunteer Award. You have done your research. We look. I mean, and, <laughs> no, you, and, and we try. Yeah, and you've done incredible work in the nonprofit and, and charity world. So, yeah, man, why don't you just tell the people a little bit about when you started to love a child and some of the work that you guys have done? Yeah, well, um, believe it or not, uh, 20 years ago, in tw- you know, I actually, my husband and I took a, a trip to uh, Zimbabwe, um, and that started because my husband went on a, a trip to be in a bicycle race, actually in South Africa, and I went along, I tagged along, uh, because I wanted to see one of the seven natural wonders of the world, which was Victoria Falls in Zimbabwe, and I thought this was going to be my first ever and probably my last trip to Africa because it was expensive. And uh, so we were in Victoria Falls, just like every other tourist, just walking down the street. And I met the same man three times in one day. And on the third time that I met him, he waited on us in a restaurant. And we were the only ones there. And it was hot. And we needed something cold to drink. And I said, you know, we've met. This is the third time I've met you. And I feel like we're meant to talk. So he introduced himself. And he said, well, do you really want to see what life is like behind all this tourism? And I said, yeah, I really do. My husband was completely silent. And so he said, well, we're, well, I'll pick you up tomorrow morning and I'll take you to see what life is really like. And uh, so the next morning he picked us up in kind of a jalopy of a car with two other men. And uh, my husband said, I-, I don't think this is a good thing. And I said, no, I think we're meant to do this. So he drove us about 45 miles into the rural area. And my husband is kind of nudging me the whole time saying, I don't know if this is a good idea. And I said, yeah, I think we're meant to do this. And he took us to this little village called Chikandakubi. And what I saw there absolutely broke my heart. I saw a couple school buildings without roofs, um, one that had the roof was leaking terribly, school children with ragged and torn clothing, um, no school books. I saw women laying on grass mats dying from malaria, no medical care. Um, and it just it just wouldn't leave my mind. And on the plane ride home, I told my husband, I just can't forget this. And I didn't. And so we came home. And uh, of course, I had the contact information for this man called Godfrey. 
And we have been in contact ever since. And he is our program manager right now in wow. Zimbabwe. And we've been working together and we've accomplished some tremendous things. So this is 20 years ago that we've known each other. That's wow. amazing. That's You're awesome. Just, just mm -hmm. go there to see the falls and to, yep. to do a bike ride and look where things end up. Yeah. I mean, so many people, Paul, are like, they're all talk. Yeah. They just talk. And no rarely, do, rarely does that lead to action. And that's what I noticed when we first talked. I was like, Cindy is action-oriented and has done so much. And when was your last trip to Africa? It was actually in September of 22. And yeah. Wow. Yeah. How many trips have you done since, since you met Godfrey 20 years ago? We uh, basically travel every year. Sometimes we've gone twice a year, except that we did have a gap because of COVID. Um, but every year we go, we take volunteers with us. Uh, between Haiti and Zimbabwe, we have about 130 volunteers that have traveled with us over the years. Wow, that's wow. that's impressive. That's mm -hmm. yeah, getting that many people to to help a, something like that too is is awesome. Yeah. How do you even know where to start? Like, were you involved in nonprofit work before this, or no? No, I wasn't. You know, I was a lot younger, <laughs> of course, but I was wrapped up in, you know, the corporate world and trying to get ahead. And truly, when you see something like what I saw on that first day in Jakanakubi, it changes your whole perspective. Um, and when you start getting involved and you travel back a second time and a third time and you really start helping and you see just how much something so little can change a person's life and um change, you know, bring hope to someone or bring hope to a family or even a whole community, you get, you just get so involved and it, you just can't stop. Yeah. So here I am 20 years later. It's an addiction. Yeah. But a good really, one. A great, Very good a great one. addiction. And yeah, yeah. I, want, I want to touch on all the stuff you've done over the years from the schools to medical care to helping people provide for their family. But on that plane ride back and then you get home, like mm -hmm. how do you start to figure out this is the first thing we need to do there, and then being able to build on that. It, it starts with the people there. It starts with the village elders, the village chief. You can't start with something that you want, because if you bring them something that they don't want, it's not going to be embraced and it's not going to work. So you start with what they feel um, is, the most, is the most important, what the biggest priority is, and you work with that. Um, so you work with the village elders, You put things into priority, um, you bring those ideas back and you start working here with what you can accomplish. And of course you start, ra you, well first we had to, um, you know, start incorporating, start our actual nonprofit and go through all that, the legal documentation, mm -hmm. set up our board of directors and all that. Mm -hmm. um, so it takes time, it takes work. Um, and over the years we've had a lot of different transitions, but you know, we've worked it out. Um, and uh, we continually, the first thing that we do every time we go back to Chikandakubi uh, is we meet with the village elders and the chief. And we say, okay, how are things? How are things progressing? What are our successes? What are the hardships? And we go from there. Right. Yeah. What was your big project this last time when you were there? Oh, it was very exciting. We built the first rural bakery that is known in, in um, the whole district or maybe the whole rural area of uh, Zimbabwe. It was so exciting. Um, the women baked bread for the very first time and wow. uh, they baked 50 loaves of bread the very first day. And I wish you could have seen the, the joy on the women's faces and to smell the bread coming out of that bakery. Uh, they were able to 
sample it and taste it and take home bread for the very first time and share it with their families. And now they're baking the bread um, you know, weekly and they're selling it for 50 cents a loaf. Um, the eggs that they incorporate into that bread is from the chicken project that we started several months earlier with other women. And the most important thing is a lot of the projects that we do are all uh, women managed and women run. That's so cool. Oh, that's so, really cool. So great. Mm-hmm. I just love how I think one of the tabs on your website was like sustainable development. Yeah. And I think, I mean, I'm sure all of your projects kind of building each other. Mm-hmm. And now you're providing jobs and skills and yep. stuff that still feeds back into the community. Yeah, it's important. So you're doing the infrastructure too? Like, are you building the buildings and then getting the kitchen supplies and then? Yeah. It, yeah, um, for the most part. Um, yeah, we built the we built the structure for the bakery. We we purchased the ovens. Uh, we brought in a professional baker to train the women, uh, and then they learn the skills and they continue to bake and and learn. Uh, so it's important they earn money for themselves, and then um, they also put the the income back into the bakery so they can continue to learn more and bake more and uh, that project will continue to be successful. Wow. Mm -hmm. What other projects have you done like like that, that are sustainable and still feeding into communities and giving people jobs? Well, of course, we have the uh, chicken project. Um, We have a women and children's center uh, where the women can come for the day. They sew. We have a lot of sewing machines there. They weave baskets. But it's also a place where they can bring the younger children so they can be safe while they're working. Um, we have a men's workshop, which is really exciting. We started that many years ago. So uh, every time we go over, we either bring men's tools with us or we buy tools there, depending on the accessibility of tools there. Right. And uh, the men that we bring that volunteer to go with us, we teach them the skills, how to use drills and saws and so on. And uh, they learn. Um, and one of the most successful projects that they do is they um, make coffins and they sell them, and that's how they earn money for their families and money to be put back into the workshop. Um, this year for Christmas, we bought them a welding machine. Uh, so they're learning how to weld right now. And that will come in really handy yes. because we are now building a medical center. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. And being able to weld and do all those things, like hands-on things, is going to be huge for to be able to build a medical center, like yeah. in that in that area. Yeah. So, what's going to be in the medical center? This is just doctors and care and. Oh, the, well, when we returned after being away for three years because of COVID, yeah, how bad uh, did COVID affect them over there? Like, did you stay in touch with Godfrey and other people over oh, yeah. there? Yeah, yeah, it was it was terrible. Um, not only because of COVID so much, but because. There weren't the medical supplies. There wasn't the medication. Um, clinics were shut down all over. The nearest clinic to Chikandakubi is 25 miles away. So people that were on the antiviral drugs for AIDS, right. they couldn't access them. So people that have been, so people that were on these medications that were keeping them alive for years and years, all of a sudden, all hope was gone. Right. And they died. Uh, people that were staying alive because they had high blood pressure medication or diabetes medication, all that was gone, so they died. Right. So it's like, yeah, just the things closing from COVID and then mm-hmm. just this trickle effect. And they couldn't go anywhere to access medication, even if they wanted to. Right. So it was a double whammy, triple whammy for them. Mm-hmm. So they had the highest mortality rate ever for this village. 
Jeez. So when we got there in September, we had our meeting with the village elders, and usually they'll, they'll have a couple things on their list, like could we concentrate on this, could we concentrate on that. This time, there was only one thing they asked us for, and they said, can you please help us get a medical center? And they gave us all the reasons why. One was the highest mortality rate, which I explained to you. Mm -hmm. But the other one, other reasons were because now they had women that were giving birth, that needed to give birth, but they had to get into the back of a wooden donkey cart and travel 25 miles to the nearest hospital to give birth. Many of them couldn't make it that far, so they were giving birth in the back of a donkey cart. Jeez, and I, I mean, you just think about our life here mm -hmm. and the problems we, yeah, the problems we complain about. And I mean, this mm -hmm. is this past year. Let the what's like life in a day for a lot of these people in the communities that that you're around and that you meet. Just to give people who are listening, just like a real perspective on. Well, I'll give you the example of a child. Um, so a young child, um, a young boy or girl, elementary school, you know, they'll have to get up and a girl will walk to the well early in the morning to fill a five-gallon bucket full of water. And then she'll bring it back to the house and um, that water will be used to help maybe make something, uh, a porridge for breakfast. They'll, it'll be used to um, give, you know, take a bath in the morning before they go to school. Uh, a young boy will have to take the family goat or the family pig or the family cow down to the river or someplace to have water for the day. Um, the men go out to the fields to work. Um, the women will try to make something for breakfast. This is a very, very poor area where um, people will earn a dollar a day. Jeez. So that's what they're living on. So all of the projects that we do really, really do help sustain the family. Yeah. And then what's the education system like? Because you've done a lot of work. Have you built, have you built schools? Um, the school was already established. Okay. However, we have completed the school buildings. We have added additional school buildings. And uh, we started a library many, many years ago. And we had a wonderful surprise when we got there this last sep September. Um, the teachers told us that um, Chikanda Kubi has been given an award of excellence in literacy because of that library and the books. Um, the children have really succeeded and excelled in literacy and reading and because of that library. Um, and many years, um, well, let's see, probably five years ago, we were able to run electricity from the main highway to the school. Um, and so we just hooked up Wi-Fi now for the school. So now we're opening all kinds of opportunities and doors and education for the school. That's awesome. Wow. Mm -hmm. That's big. Just think how much we take for granted the fact that we have like Wi-Fi, internet and all that. It's like they were getting by without that and mm -hmm. still, you know, yeah. being able to learn real life skills and and build their community up essentially exactly. you know, obviously they got you know they needed some help with it but it was like who doesn't need help in their life you know yep. and that, that, that's really awesome that they're you know seeing these these positive changes and now we're going to have access to even more opportunity through stuff like that so. exactly and just think how important that's going to be because the clinic that we're building is going it's right next to the school so when we build the clinic um, we'll have computer. We'll have a computer there, and nurses will live there um, full time. It'll be staffed by the Ministry of Health, and so, so if there's a, a situation that arises where the nurses can't handle it, they will be able to connect with a hospital that has a doctor, right? And they will be able to 
you know, stabilize that patient with the help of a doctor and most likely save that person's life. I mean, this is just incredible what we're going to be able to do in the future. Yeah, that's unreal. And how, I mean, are all the towns and villages around there, like, have this level of poverty? And Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes, they do. So your work's just been in, what's the name of the village again? This is Chikanakubi. Okay. But we also have another village that's about eight and a half hours away from this village. Were you at both of them this yes, past we trip? Were. Yep. And in the other village, we have a slightly different focus. Um, we're starting out at a completely different level. Um, the dream there is to create a school um, for that will incorporate children with uh, challenges um, because it seems in that area there are a lot of children that have physical and uh, um, mental challenges. Mm-hmm. For some reason, um, there's a high abundance of them and we don't know why. Um, so. There is, there are some schools there, but nothing close by to this village. Um, right now, they have to walk several miles um, to get to school, and the kids with physical challenges don't go to school at all. So we're building. The, we want to build the school, but before we can actually build the school system, it's the classrooms itself. We have to build the infrastructure around it. So we've already drilled two wells. Um, we're creating the food forest which is actually um, trees that have, um, that produce food, fruits, uh, and then uh, gardens that produce vegetables. Um, we're creating Dignity House. It's in the final stages of being created. Dignity House is actually bathrooms and a shower. And we call it Dignity House because it's a place where uh, men, women, and children can go um, and they can have, um, in, you know, it be private, to take care of all their private needs, mm-hmm. which doesn't ta- ha- happen right now at all. Right. Especially if you have physical challenges, it's very difficult. So we're creating that, and uh, hopefully we'll be able to have some classroom construction, maybe at the end of 23, we're hoping, if we can raise the funds. How do you find how do you find people to build the infrastructure and do the wells and do the, because you guys do solar as well over yeah, there, right? In uh, Baringua, which is the name of the second village, the electricity is nowhere near. Um, so we have to rely on solar there completely, yes. All the wells are pumped by solar. Um, everything will be operated by solar. Jeez, that's wild. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's incredible. That's incredible. Um, you feel safe always when you're there? Yes, we do. Yeah. We have some incredible, we have two incredible project managers um, and their families, um, and we are we just always feel very protected when we're around them. They pick us up at the airport. We travel with them. Um, yeah, they, they're wonderful, very educated, and you know we're always very much welcomed and protected in the villages. Yeah, I mean, you have to have relationships. I mean, going there 20 years, 20 years. Min- mm-hmm. mi- minus, the, minus the COVID years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, always, it's just a wonderful experience. Um, the people that go with us, that travel with us, uh, they have developed wonderful relationships, not only with the people there, but with the people that they travel with. Right. What's like the long-term goal with these villages? Just keep building new infrastructure and schools and educating the kids? And Yeah. Um, you know, to get them to a point where they can be completely self-sustaining. Right. You know, um, Chikandakubi is you know, really well in its way. Um, the schools are doing well. Uh, I think once we get the medical clinic there, um, we've got several projects. You know, they're 
they're pretty much that village will be pretty much done. Uh, Baringua has a long way to go. What's the population in these villages? Uh, I would say probably four thousand. But once you once you have a medical clinic, people do come from the surrounding area because it's so far. Right. You know, the nearest medical clinic or hospital is so far away, so it will draw many, many more people. Right. Yeah, it's wild. Mm-hmm. What animals have you seen over there? Because Jackson showed me some some pictures of you seen it all. When you go on safari there, you just to go to a zoo. And when you come back to go to a zoo, it's just not the same thing. Um, going on safari is just an incredible experience because you're going with wildlife specialists there, and they can tell you so many wonderful stories. And they're all um, and the safari companies really do take care of the environment too. Uh, but we've seen everything. We've seen elephants and giraffe and zebra and cougar and uh, lions and um, uh, it just wonder. We've had we've had experiences where we've stopped to watch lions and the lions will come and just brush along the truck as we're sitting in it in open air trucks, safari tr- vehicles. It, That's it just, wild. Yes, <laughs> incredible, That's incredible. Crazy. Mm-hmm. Do you have those pictures? Do you have the pictures on your phone of how close you actually were? Oh no? yeah, I do. So, uh, did you see him, Paul? Ever? I don't know if I've seen him. It's going to take me a minute to oh, scroll. Oh, scroll but through. We'll, right. But talk yeah, a we'll, little we'll bit. Yeah, we'll keep going to find them. But yeah, it's, yeah, it's crazy how 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 close how I mean, close you were to I, all those. I love me some lions. So there, <laughs> and you know, when you get that close to them, the lions look like they have eyeliner, and it's it's just a, just an incredible experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's wild. And we have to do so much more to protect. Um, the wildlife, uh, because they're really, some of them are so in, endangered species. Um, when we went to Zambia on uh, safari there, there were only five white rhino left in the country. That's why, that's insane. Mm-hmm. Well, that's like, you got to find the balance of, you know, building infrastructure and expanding these these communities and cities to where they can be self-sustaining without taking away from the natural wildlife that's there. and creating a disaster for them at the same right. time. Because when you look like here, you know, a lot of animals can't survive here because of all the things that we have, you know, the mm-hmm. infrastructures we have, the factories we have, the buildings we have, mm-hmm. you know, there's just not the places for them to live. Right. You know, I remember when COVID came, you know, I have friends, I was down in the city and I have friends that were, I went to college with, had never seen like a deer before. I'm like, a deer? That's like the most. Yeah, that's like right. the most basic animal. I feel like, like I see that all the time upstate. You got it's like, yeah. You but never how, see them. Look how close these are. Oh my rides. god, mm-hmm. it's wild. Mm-hmm. And the reason we go on safari at the very end of every trip, and that's because, you know, you are we're living with the people in the villages, and we see a lot of very difficult situations. And you know, as a team, you know, we cry together, we laugh together, and we need the safari as a buffer before right. we come home because we are going from you know spending two weeks with people who yeah, have nothing a large cat and <laughs> yeah and then we come home to our homes here and grocery stores that have an abundance of everything and sometimes it's a very difficult transition how, yeah i was about to ask you how tough is that for you to get that out of your head or when people complain about nonsense to you is that i mean is that tough coming back here and then adjusting after seeing everything that you just? It it's a very especially if you're coming back into the Christmas period. It's a very very tough transition. Is that what you did this past year? No. Uh yeah, pretty yeah. much. Yeah. yeah, I mean, the Christmas decorations are already in the stores and everything, and yeah, yeah, in October. 
um, it's very difficult because, you know, you're seeing people that are, um, you know, eating one meal a day and that might be a porridge. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, when they cook for us, they cook for us. Um, they give us lux- what they consider a luxury of their food. So they'll butcher a goat or a cow for us. And um, they cook it in great big pots on the stove. And they'll say, OK, well, help yourself. So you get a fork or a big spoon and you reach into the pot and you pull out meat. Well, you don't know what part of the animal you're eating. Mm-hmm. Um, and it could be part intestines. It could be anything. And that's a, you know, that's a real savory piece of meat yeah. to them. And, you know, sometimes we look at it and say, oh, gosh, yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um, and, you know, they savor every morsel. And it, that is a luxury to them. Uh, and so when we come here and you go into the store, we have, you know, 15 types of lettuce and, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Just thinking of that, like 15 yeah, times, like, there really is like, like 15 types like, of lettuce when you walk you're like, in. Am I going to get the purple Doritos or the blue Doritos? <laughs> it's like the purple, like no question. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But no, it's said, what are the, like, what are the primary like illnesses that people do struggle with and, and like makes the mortality rate be high over there? Um, well, you know, they, they'll get, you know, well. They don't have, people can't afford medication. So if they have high blood pressure, diabetes, or, you know, high, uh, you know, cardiac issues, they can't afford any of that medication. Right. You know, um, when I was talking about um, people needing the medical clinic uh, in Chikanakubi, um, like the elderly, they can't go, they can't walk, you know, to the medical clinic. It's yeah. 25 miles. Mm-hmm. So they'll, and they can't at- even attempt to walk at night because if they walk, they might get attacked by a lion or an elephant. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. something we don't consider. Yeah, that's, no, not at all. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's like when you think that's like, like real life. <laughs> well, yeah, where you're like, that's when we know, like way back when we were cave people, that's what we struggled with. Yeah. But we don't realize living here in Clifton Park, like people are still dealing with yeah. like, those issues. Mm-hmm. You know, when we have a toothache, we can go to the dentist. We can, you know, you have a, a migraine headache. You there's a drugstore around every corner. They don't have access to that. They can't afford it. Right. So when we on every trip, we have a, we do a, we do clinics, and um, when people come to it, they can we give them medicine for free, um, and they live for that and every this time is, we and come. And this is stuff you're shipping over from here. No, no, we take everything with us. Yeah, yeah. It's too expensive to ship yeah, anything. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. And you know when we go there and we do these clinics, we take they get we give them razors. Men just they 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 light up when we give them a razor. You know when you think about yeah. it, you know how many razors do you do you have? I mean you right. guys have beards, but still <laughs> yeah. you know I mean I still you kind of you still take it for granted here. Yeah. You know absolutely. And, you know some of these guys they get one razor a year, and that's when we give it to them. Right. You know, so, um, you know, we give them washcloths and soap and, um, you know, all the basic necessities they get at the clinic. We collect used eyeglasses all year long and we take the eyeglasses and we have an eyeglass clinic and people will come and they they get fitted to eyeglasses and they love it because they can finally read their Bible in church. Right. I mean, wake up and see. Yeah, like exactly. You know, I like, you know, just thinking of my friends that have glasses. I've never had glasses, so I remember one day they were like, yeah, when I wake up in the morning, I can't see anything. I was like, wait, 
I was like, <laughs> what? You can't see? They're like, yeah, I need glasses for a reason, Paul. Like, I can't, like, see. Yep. And, like, thinking of, like, as simple as that with my friend and then thinking on, like, a bigger level with, like, these people over there, it's like they literally had to live live like that because they mm-hmm. didn't have access to that kind of stuff. And it's it's amazing to be able to provide those things and and see, like, that you're the first village because I don't want to butcher the name. That's okay. Um, that it's getting to the point that it's, getting closer and closer to that self-sustainability and that, you know, you'll, I'm sure you'll still go there and make sure things are going well, but that you won't have to be as hands-on there, um, hopefully in the closer future. Yeah. So it's really, it's awesome to see you know, those yeah, the, things. The sustainability piece is, in, is incredible. Yeah. Is that something that you saw and thought of early on? Like, if I'm going to do this, I want to make sure it's something that can live on and it's not just like, I'm going to throw money at this and then throw money at that. No, it wasn't me. It was the village elders. Right. They, you know, they don't want to continually take from someone else. They want to do it themselves. They want to learn and they want their children to learn. Um, you know, they take pride in learning and, and take pride in giving back. Um, you know, one day I was in Victoria Falls walking around with our team and because we, we will take them shopping for souvenirs and things like that when we're there, too. And I remember we're walking around, and all of a sudden, I hear my name, Cindy, Cindy. You know, they have an accent, you know. And I'm looking around, like, who could be calling my name? And this young young woman runs up to me, and she goes, do you remember me? And I said, oh, I'm sorry, I don't. She goes, I used to be a student in Chaconda Kubi. And I said, oh, how nice, you know. And she goes, I have to tell you, she goes, because of you, I finished school. And she goes, I'm a secretary now. And I thought, oh my gosh, what we did in that village made a difference. So she was able to finish elementary school, finish high school, and she got a career. Yeah, that's incredible. That's that, awesome. That gives me the goosebumps a little bit. You know, so sometimes you can't measure success right away. It takes time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's well said. That's with any endeavor. Yeah, right. just like the library and just you know, like the men's workshop um, Prior to COVID, we arrived at the village, and this one man went it came up to my husband, and he said, "I." He told my husband that because of the skills that he learned in the Menton's workshop, he got a job at the airport because the airport had a um, temporary job open because they were doing an um, an addition to the airport, and they hired him for that job. So yeah, yeah you just never know. Yeah, it's incredible. Do you mm-hmm. have a translator with you when you're there? No, not anymore. Because they speak English now. Oh, that's awesome. Because, because of over all the years, now they've learned to speak English. So when you first went there, though, did you have to have a yes. translator? Yes, they didn't speak English. But then because of the structure you've put in, and that's pretty cool that's in awesome. itself right there. Yeah. It is. It's just, it, it's it's really awesome. Well, you and, that, know? and that, again, opens up them being able to communicate, you know, in another in English provides just even more opportunity for them. Because mm-hmm. now you have a different, you know, that's, you know, I don't like to say it, but it's, I mean, it pretty much is like the universe. It's taught in like every country for the most part, or a lot of countries in the most part. Yeah, it's probably what, English and then is Mandarin still up there? Probably it's like probably. the most highly spoken But I feel like languages. English is probably taught in like most countries as a secondary language. Yeah. So like the fact that they have that now and can now use that as a resource, whether they are still in Africa or they somehow are able to, you know, go somewhere else and get an opportunity and then come back or whatever it is, it like just provides even more opportunity. The fact that that's now taught there, whereas before you went there 20 years ago and 
there was no English or very little if there was any. So it's really awesome to see, you know, again, that the sustainability that you're, you've been able to build there and that is continuing to grow there is really awesome. Do you talk to kids? Like, do they have hopes to leave there and get jobs here or Europe or go somewhere else or no? Um, they have, certainly they have hopes to leave there. Right. Um, and I don't think they have an idea of where they would like to go. Right. Um, they, they, the, they have the door open. Um, I think years ago, the U.S. probably was first on their list. I yeah. don't know if it is as much anymore. Mm-hmm. Do people see, I mean, yeah, listen, here's crazy now and been crazy for a while. People see that there, though. Yeah. 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 And they go, maybe not so much anymore. <laughs> well, you know, when we first started going there, um, like many of the men and women, um, they would sell handicrafts. And they would have a booth, and they'd have to have a license. And the license would have to be displayed on their booth. And they would have to have a name for their booth. And their name would always be after, like, a sports star or a movie star, like Michael Jordan Booth or, I don't know, I, I can't remember some of the names. But, you know, right. always after something American, right? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it was just unbelievable how they held the U.S. and everything U.S. in high self-esteem, you know. And I always said to our team members and, you know, anyone that was traveling with us or what we did was that we always have to put our best foot forward because everything that we do, everything that we say is looked at, is copied. And um, I, I still stick to that, you know. This episode of Off Exit 10 is brought to you by Drink Alchemy. Fatigue and brain fog affect us all, destroying everything we pursue. Whether as an athlete, artist, creator, or entrepreneur, our mind holds the key to performing optimally. By combining the most potent organic nootropics found in nature, Drink Alchemy delivers sustainable boost to creativity, memory, energy, and focus in one epic beverage. Stop pumping your body full of excessive amounts of caffeine and unknown proprietary blends from other energy drinks, and get clean energy from Drink Alchemy's natural nootropics like lion's mane, L-theanine, and caffeine from green tea. Used by Olympians, D1 athletes, MMA fighters, and entrepreneurs, Drink Alchemy has become a huge part of my daily routine making sure I'm functioning optimally during long days of coaching athletes, running CDSF, and getting in quality workouts myself. So do yourself a favor and ditch the energy drinks loaded with caffeine, other stimulants, and who knows what else, and head over to drinkalchemy.com today. Live with your mind unbound and save 10% off your order by using code CDSF at checkout. That's drinkalchemy.com, promo code CDSF for 10% off your order today. This episode of Off Exit 10 is brought to you by Anchor and the all-new Anchor Pro. Crafted to endure the most high-performance workouts without the high cost and space requirements of a standard cable machine. Named the best portable cable machine by Men's Health Home Gym Awards, Anchor provides the full functionality of a cable machine in one small space-saving unit. Designed with user-friendliness in mind, Anchor can simply be attached to any squat rack or placed on any wall in your home gym using its intuitive sliding track mount. With up to 65 pounds of resistance, Anchor is built for high-speed and controlled exercises alike, from cable presses and rows to chops and lifts. The Anchor has been a game-changer for us here at CDSF, and now you can enjoy the same professional-quality cable machine in your own home gym by heading over to anchortraining.com and using code CDSF10 for 10% off your order today. Get all the benefits of a cable machine without the high-cost installation fees. Enjoy the portable luxury and space-saving performance of Anchor today by going to anchortraining.com and using code 
code CDSF10 at checkout. That's anchortraining.com, promo code CDSF10 for 10% off your order today. Yeah. You know, we're very careful what we wear, everything that we say and do. Right. Right. Yeah. It's just interesting. I mean, yeah, all the craziness politically and, and around our country, and then people there see it and like, eh. Yeah. They do. Might, maybe <laughs> that's not where I want to go. <laughs> they're very much aware of everything that happens here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And with that said, I mean, listen, there's there's a ton of uh, underprivileged and, you know, cities and inner cities and poverty here where kids are struggling. And Absolutely. They, and, they, and they don't get that chance or the opportunity that all of us get just from mm-hmm. where we're born and mm-hmm. who our parents are and, mm-hmm. and our parents' history and their family's history. Um, how much do you think about that? We do think about it a lot. And, um, we're, we're, you know, to love a child is a very small organization Mm -hmm. and, uh, believe it or not, we have no paid staff here. (laughs) Everything that we do uh, on this end is volunteer, even myself, even though I'm the director Mm -hmm. and, uh, we have no paid staff. (laughs) So, um, this is my full-time job and we don't have, um, you know, an office other than the back room of my house. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so our overhead is very low. So yeah. we, we constantly think about keeping our administrative um, expenses very low. Mm-hmm. But anyway, so we have ramped up our local projects a lot. Uh, we have a local project called Time to Thrive, and mm-hmm. time is spelled T-H-Y-M-E, because we're focusing on a lot of health and, and you know, physical and dietary type programs. And Mike, you are involved in some of that. Yeah, I love it. And yeah, it's, and, and it's great. Yeah, it's uh, it's just like what we said: kids that don't get the opportunities or don't get the exposure, you know, just because their families don't have money, and you know, they may not have both parents, and there may be drug, alcohol, alcohol issues like around their life, and they don't get exposed to the, the, the good role models and mm-hmm. being exposed to how to take care of your body and work out and eat well and. Mm-hmm and how to apply yourself in school the correct ways. Yeah, and and we're not only working with kids, but we're working with uh, some adults too. Mm -hmm. And um, we're, and this program is important to me for a couple different reasons, not only because of working with people with limited resources, but also people who may have gone through some health issues in their life, like myself, because I'm a cancer survivor, uh, five years in remission now from breast cancer. So it's really important to focus on health mm-hmm. and, and mm-hmm. man, really um, embrace all the healthy years that we can. Um, so um, we are working with some kids locally that have limited resources and we do a mini camp with them in, in the spring. Uh, we started it last year and Mike, you were a part of that mm-hmm. and it was really exciting and it was really successful. So we're doing it again this spring. Um, in fact, we are trying to get some sponsors for this spring because Mm -hmm. we want to do a chef program again with them. And this year we're going to take them to the zoo in Syracuse so that they can have a really great experience, Um, not only touring the zoo, um, but we're going to give them two really great um, educational programs at the zoo. Um, And then uh, we're also going to do a third day locally here where they'll learn about um, animal habitat and then do a program so that they can um, really work with their own pets and learn how to take care of them just a little bit better. Yeah, that's great. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Is that where, I mean, if you, if somebody says, Cindy, you know, you're going to help 
put together programs throughout the country to help, you know, uh, kids with limited resources and neighborhoods that are that are underprivileged. Is that where you'd start putting together programs like this that are teaching life skills and exposing them to to healthy habits and and exercise and things like that? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I wish I I wish I could go back 10 years in age. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I really do. Uh, oh, absolutely. I would love to, you know, exercise with kids more, teach them more healthy habits right. as far as eating and uh, and all. Yeah, we've got to get more fresh fruits and vegetables into their diets and mm-hmm. just teach them to just to eat healthier and get, you know, get get that into their regular diets more, you know, right. through the schools and through different programs. Absolutely. Well, and it's that's one of the things like I've talked about with one of our, he's a retired teacher, but I've talked to him about how, you know, revamping just the education system, and especially at the elementary level, and how phys ed should be like phys ed and health and nutrition, like teach them that stuff at a young age so then they can bring that home to parents that maybe don't know that stuff. And now they're understanding like, oh, that's not something I should be eating or that's not something I should be doing or I need to go be more physically active um, and just teaching them, you know, how to move, how to be active, how to how to eat well, that kind of stuff. And it's like you're, you know, doing that on your level with the you know, people that have limited resources, but it's like one of those things like I feel like isn't taught just on a macro level even, you know, in our school system. Do you feel um, like schools are missing the boat on on a lot of this stuff? I mean, you have, I know some of your grandkids are in here now and you see them going through school. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like, yeah, just building those healthy habits and... Um, well, you know, I'm really not familiar with the school curriculum as right. far as that, but I just think that sugar is just thrown in our face 24 7 oh, you yeah. can't I mean, get away from it it's marketed at kids i mean you look at all you put on you look at any probably kids television show and it's probably yeah soda sugar drinks uh, mm-hmm. sugary cereals that yeah that's probably all yeah. you're seeing it's thrown in our face 24 uh, 7 i mean when and you know what's interesting is when we were in zimbabwe there was there was no sugar the whole time we were there and i felt so much better yeah yeah we didn't have it i mean it, it definitely has a negative effect on your body oh it does a thousand percent it does and um i we've just connected with a, a local woman who is teaching plant-based um um plant-based eating mm-hmm. uh and we're going to be um hosting a class in april and she's going to be teaching that so we're going to be starting those type of classes uh we're going to be starting out slow with that because you really can't change people overnight no um so small steps you know and so we're hoping that that'll take off. And the classes are going to be free. Uh, so hopefully people will connect with us on that. And even if they incorporate just a little bit, you know, a little it. bit if, at a time. If you try to overhaul everything at once, it's, it's not going to work. It's not, not going to work, work at all. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, we see it in this setting in here. Yeah. I would, I would uh, assume it's the same for the charity work you do. Yeah. If you try to overhaul everything mm-hmm. right away, there's probably more pushback and less chance of success. Well, it's just mm-hmm. like it's kind of what you said earlier, you know, when you're providing – you know, to the villages over there, you there may be something you think they need, but what do they really want from you? Mm-hmm. You know, so, you know, it's it's finding that balance of like, okay, I know what it looks like they need, but like, let me make sure I get the right information from them and figure out what they want to help them get to where they need to go. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's just the same thing applies with a local thing too. It's like, you got to pr- provide what they want, but also give them what they need at the same time. Right, right. And it was very interesting because uh, our project manager was here uh, in November for our annual dinner, and he made a very... Is this Godfrey, the guy yeah, from... Okay. Yeah, 
he made a very interesting observation, you know, because I took him all over with me. Had right? he been here before? Uh, 15 years ago. Okay. Yeah. And so, you know, uh, we did number of presentations all over. We went to schools. We went to different organizations and churches and all over. And, you know, I did the normal everyday things that people do. And sometimes we were in a great rush, which is normal for mm -hmm. lives here in mm -hmm. the U.S. And sometimes we were in a hurry to eat, which is normal for people in the U.S. Mm -hmm. So he said to me, you know, he said, I have come to one conclusion. He says, uh, you people are lazy. I said, what makes you think we're lazy? He says, because you drive up to get your medication, you drive up to go to the bank, you drive up to get your food, and it's true. Uh -huh. Yeah. We expect everything, you know, very quickly and, mm -hmm. and all that. And then he said, and you're a very wasteful society. You know, he said, the amount of food that is thrown out, you know, in school lunches, mm -hmm. when you go to a dinner, um, you know, like at a, a banquet or something, the amount of food that's left on plates at these, you know, at a, at a banquet, at a dinner, he says, my village could survive on that. Yeah, that's perspective right mm -hmm. there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Remember nature's classroom, Paul? Uh, what was it called that we had to... You had to, it was this thing in like middle school, you went, right, Jordan? But you would have to, after your meals, you, everybody would put their, they'd put their waste in their, their food they didn't eat in mm -hmm. probably the same garbage can, but they would weigh it every night. Yeah. To be like, hey, look how much you like guys how all, much you are wasting. You know. all just wasted. Yeah, there was some 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 questionable things at that camp, but there were some good things too. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Real questionable stuff. You know, I'll t do you remember this? Did you do this, Jordan? Cindy, this is insane. Insane. We talked about this last week with a girl in the gym. We were in fifth grade. It's in Lake George. And they're supposed to give you just like this. I don't know this. I guess holistic experience, like with the food waste and you do outdoor stuff and camping. But there was one night and we're a bunch of white kids from Chatham and they did a like mock uh, underground railroad where they pretended we were slaves and like yelled at you the whole night and took you around in the woods. It, when we think back, you're like, what the heck did they have us do? Like yeah. not cool at all. I don't think that would be allowed today. Isn't that wild? Wow. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> There's no way they still do it. No. You can't still do it. I should ask my I should ask my my niece cuz they did, they did nature's class. Did you do that, Jordan? Yeah. Yeah, terrible. Yeah. Jeez. That's like one of the things I distinctly remember from from nature's Go classroom. Good for teaching you not to waste food. Bad for running you through a mock underground <laughs> underground railroad that probably yeah. would have been a better way to teach that to us. Yeah, most <laughs> most definitely. Yeah, noted. None of, none of that. Jeez, man. Yeah, crazy. Um, and then you've done work. I know we emailed about this and mm -hmm. stuff, and we're taking a turn from the Underground Railroad. Oh, that's fine. But <laughs> stuff, Haiti, I mean, the mm -hmm. gang violence is is getting out of control right now. It I is mean, out of control. Uh, Very sad. Because what, their president was assassinated last summer, a couple summers ago. I remember reading that. Can you just, because you've, when's the last time you were there? Hmm. Uh, we... Gosh, what year was it? Time flies with COVID. Yeah. <laughs> um, it was well before COVID. Um, and um, yeah, there is, it's just not safe right now for anyone, you know, even Haitians. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, the gangs have pretty much taken over. Um, and there's just desperation, you know, in the country right now. Uh, anyone that wants to read about it can certainly just Google Haiti News right. and you can read about what's going on. Are you still in communication with a number people of people from, from over there? Yeah, yeah, and the situation is 
is dire. How has it gotten so out of control? Um, well, basically, uh, government kind of lost control. And the more they lost control, the more the gangs have taken over. Um, the gangs have taken over the roads and, you know, shut down everything. Um, and uh, they started kidnapping, you know, priests and doctors and, and all that. Uh, but it's the, va- the violence is just terrible. The stories are horrible. Um, so, you know, food situation is, is bad. Um, the village that we help is close to the Dominican border. Okay. So they are pretty much violence free, which is thank goodness. Right. Um, I think I believe the food that they're getting comes in from the Dominican Republic. Um, but, you know, Port-au-Prince, um, you know, that area is terrible. That's where the airport is. A lot of supplies usually come in from that area. Uh, so those poor folks, you know, they can't even go out of their homes. Right. And you were you had done some of the same stuff there that you did in, in the communities in Africa. Yeah. Yeah. So all of our projects there um, have come to a stop. Right. Um, we used to be able to ship barrels to Haiti because it was much closer to the United States. Mm-hmm. We cannot ship barrels um, because it, we would jeopardize the lives of whoever went to pick them up. Right. Um, and uh, so basically the only thing that we can do in Haiti right now is uh, keep the teachers employed. We send teacher salaries every month. It's incredible. Um, and at least the kids can go to school, uh, but that's all that we can do. It's tough. That's got to be hard on you, too, especially being well, no, able to, knowing people personally, knowing people personally and how hands on you can be in other places. But you can't like yeah. you just can't do it. Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. And this isn't th- I mean, we haven't intervened as a country, right? No, no. Mm-mm. Yeah, it's it's really sad. They they need all our prayers for sure. Yeah. And, you know, there's been a cholera outbreak. Right. Um, so the situation is which is what from water that's not mm-hmm. contaminated. Yeah. Yeah, that's tough. And food, you know, uh, I've heard, well, stories from people um, that have contacted me directly. Um, you know, even if they could get money uh, from Western Union or something like that, they would try to go to Western Union to collect the money, and Western Union wouldn't be open because the people don't feel safe mm-hmm. in the Western Union office, the right. employees. So they would jeopardize their lives to go get the money. They can't get the money. Um, they would go out to try to buy food on the street, but yet, you know, their lives are in jeopardy. So it's a no-win situation, no matter what you try to do. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we, as bad as you think you may have things here, things are, mm-hmm. things are okay. Yeah. Things are okay, and our, and our, what did Guyfer say, our rushed and lazy and wastefulness. <laughs> That's hard with kids, because they want, they want, I feel like every generation, it just wants everything that much mm-hmm. quicker. Yeah. Instant gratification, mm-hmm. all the uh, instant everything, right? everything quick. Like they want everything quick and they want it now. And unfortunately, you know, and just through, you know, your projects and everything, things take time, you know. And they do. You know, you, you would love to be able to just, you know, plop a city down there so that they could be self-sustaining. But you, you can't just do that. You got to teach them. You got to educate them. You got to uh, provide, help provide for them. And then over time, they'll learn to do those things themselves. And mm-hmm. Whatnot. Whereas, like right now, you know, everything, especially here, you know, you got your your phone right there. It's like, oh, I mean, go here. I can get like a, a like and make me feel better right now, or I can, yeah. you know, and it's all right. We like just that. we just last week had to make a rule in the gym: mm-hmm. no phones on the gym floor, because kids would grab them. 
and then their brain just goes into like whatever mode it goes into when they have their phone and they can't get off it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then they're just, and then all of a sudden 30 minutes has gone by and I'm like, dude, what have you been doing for 30 minutes? And yeah. it's like, you know, you, when you come in here, it's, and it's not just because we want to punish a kid for having their phone. It's more like, I want you to disconnect. I want you to just be here, be in the moment, be yourself and, and enjoy working on something that's going to help you get better both physically and mentally. Sure. Um, and obviously if like they got something, a phone call they're waiting for or something like, yeah, we're going to tell them you can have your phone with you. But like in the grand scheme, when you're working out, do you really need your phone on you? Mm-hmm. You know, when you're doing something for yourself, you know, if you're doing, if you're reading, are you going to, unless, unless it's on your phone, you don't really need your phone with you. You know, yeah. those type of things that are all like working on yourself, work on yourself. Don't get distracted by all the outside noise. And it's tough for kids, you know, so. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That it is. Mm-hmm. How many people do you take with you every trip when you go to Africa? Uh, we take small teams. Um, usually uh, we've had as few as two, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but we usually like maybe four to six people max. And then when you're there, I guess just explain to people what what the day-to-day is like, like what each person is doing and, and how mm-hmm. you're kind of working together to do these things. Well, um, we love to work with the the you know the expertise that our team members have um and you know if we have a nurse oh my gosh that would be wonderful because we love to have her work in the clinic are you seeking out specific people for specific reasons to go with you we would love to yeah yeah, but sometimes that doesn't happen right (laughs) um but we have anyone who's interested in traveling with us we actually have them fill out a form it's called a global volunteer form so we learn about their hobbies and interests and their experience uh, and then I look at that, and I see how that fits into our programs. Um, on our last trip, we had a lovely woman who actually wrote a children's book. And I said, oh, my gosh, how wonderful that is. So I bought several books, and mm-hmm. she shared those books with elementary kids there, and they thought that was just wonderful. Uh, we had someone who was a massage therapist, so that worked out really well in our clinic. So I, those are just examples. Um, my husband, um, he has a lot of expertise with solar. So mm. he's always really handy on the trips, working with the guys and those projects. So we try to fit in every volunteer as best as possible. Yeah. Yeah, that's incredible. It's just crazy to think what started as just a trip for your husband to do a cycling race. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> look, look what it's turned into. I yeah. know, I know. It's all fate. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like you said, you ran into God for three times. Mm-hmm. Three times. And mm-hmm. so you knew at that third time that, all right, I got to talk to this guy. And, exactly. And there's got to be some reason why I keep seeing right. him. So. And Muno, who was the second project manager, uh, that was fate also how we met. Because we were supposed to host a dinner party uh, for some international guests that were here um, in Albany. And uh, there were several uh, host families. And I got a call that said one of the host families was ill. Could I host just one more guest at my table? And I said, sure, why not? And so uh, I went to pick him up, and I said, and we introduced ourselves. And I said, well, where are you from? He said, well, I'm from Zimbabwe. And I said, oh, that's interesting. So we started talking, and he turned out to be our second project manager. (laughs) Wow, that's awesome. (laughs) Yeah, it's incredible. Just the sustainability that you created and are going to continue to create. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot. There's still a lot of work to do, and uh, I just encourage people to whether it's. I would love to have people, you know, contact to love a child and see if they could get involved. But just as long as anyone just puts their best foot forward wherever their heart takes them, locally or 
in, in any realm, just as long as they just try to help somewhere, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's a good, good motto to follow, to follow right there. Mm -hmm. It's like, just do something to help somebody mm -hmm. and, and, and like you said, follow your heart with that too. Yeah. So, and get kids involved as early as possible mm -hmm. to 100%. show them just how lucky they are to have what they have. Yeah. I mean, even as far as getting involved in sports, because there's so many kids that don't even have a ball mm -hmm. or, you know, sneakers. Yeah. You know? Well, and even thinking of getting kids involved in, like, helping, I saw uh, one of my friends, she posted a picture of her, like, nephews. And they're, like, six and seven years old. And they're out there helping all the neighbors shovel their driveways. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it's, like, just little things like that. Like, mm -hmm. you know, you're you're helping out somebody that maybe maybe it's an elderly woman that can't mm -hmm. do it or an elderly man that can't do it. And, you know, somebody else usually comes and do it. If you can get it done for them, then they don't have to call somebody that, you know. That's one one more person you helped, um, and you did it out of the kindness of your heart, and you did it the right way. And it's, you know, little th even little things like that can Absolutely. go a long way for to teach kids like how they can help people um, in the smallest of ways. Yep, that's right. Yeah, if people want to find to love a child and time to thrive and just learn more or like reach out because they have questions or mm -hmm. are interested in helping, where are they finding you? Well, certainly they can find me through you. Yes, yes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but uh, we do have a website. You know, it's uh, toloveachild.net. Um, and it's to love a child, not love a child, because there's another organization down in Florida that's completely different. Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, yeah, that's the easiest way. It's toloveachild.net. Yeah. Two as in T-O. Yes, that's right. And then Time to Thrive is your local Local yeah, efforts but and organizations. It's, all, it's connected, all connected with To Love a Child. Okay, yeah. So it's all on it's the It's just same. a program okay. of To Love a Child. Yeah. 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 I love it. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. I love how action oriented you are and the work you've done. And Keep trying. Yeah. I appreciate you coming on and doing this. This is a blast. Yeah. yeah it's really fun. It's, uh, it's, it's, we're still just keep growing, you know? Yeah. You never know what, what the next step is going to be. Exactly. You never know what person might fall into your lap faithfully and you're like oh you're my next uh, project, project manager, manager. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you never know you never know yeah so. you just keep helping people and being nice to people and and making little steps every day yep they add up so that's right Cindy appreciate you coming on uh, this is a blast thank you so much it's been so much fun of course of no course. problem so uh, thanks thanks Cindy we'll see everybody next time okay. thank you take care bye